thread. A singular thought expanded upon. Thread is the podcast of the Emerge Network. For more information, log on to EmergeNetwork.org. Thread. Hi, I'm Chuck Quinley, and welcome back to Thread. Thread is an ongoing discussion for emerging leaders. Whether you're already in leadership uh, in the in a family or at work or at school or in ministry or an organization, uh, or you just feel like God is taking you in that direction, thread is a discussion for you to to help you in your development. We have been so far uh, just walking through the Gospel of Mark in an attempt to understand Christ's model of leadership and to see what we can learn from Him. And, and I've been learning a lot, and I'm getting good feedback from others also. Uh, so we're going to stay on this until we get to the end of this gospel, and then we'll go into probably a little different direction. But today we're in Mark chapter 7, verse 24 to the end, and we're going to see two kind of strange miracles. One of them is for a single mother, at least it appears that way, uh, that she's single. We, we never hear about her husband. And then the second story uh, is about a man, but they're both... Uh, People outside of Christ's normal, uh, what would we say, religious circle. Uh, these uh, One's a Gentile completely. The other one, we're not sure. It might be. Uh, but the point is, they're not the typical kind of people that he dealt with all the time. And so, um, it, it's a, they're, they're messages for people who have a family. If you've got kids of your own, and in my case, Sherry and I have six children, and at this stage in our lives, that means we've got three teenagers at a time, and right now it's three teenage girls. So at, I could say it gets dramatic at times. So uh, this lady is in the story dealing with a very dramatic situation herself. So if you don't have your Bible, run get one, and we're going to go verse by verse. Mark chapter 7 will be Okay, we're back in Mark chapter 7. We're going to be studying from verse 24 to the very end. Uh, and uh, by the way, if you're just now catching on to the thread, you might want to go all the way back to the beginning. We started uh, the Gospel of Mark in June of 2009. So uh, as you follow the podcast, you can go backwards in the files there. You might want to catch it from the very beginning because there's a lot of... Uh, beautiful truth in the first half of the book. Mark chapter 7, verse 24. And this is a, uh, a story that starts off, it says, He arose from there. Uh, and, and the context is, he's been in ongoing and, and um, growing conflicts with Pharisees. This thing won't stop. And he's, he avoided it for two and a half years. Because he knows these people, and once you get started, it's not going to go away. But he he is in a frontal uh, assault on their hypocrisy. Uh, is one of his missions is to act as a prophet and to get in their face, and he's doing it. And they're not going to respond well. the The whole religious establishment is rising up against him, and so he leaves the area and he goes on a missions trip. Uh, and that's a that's a good prescription for uh, your spiritual life. If you're frustrated in any way, and if you are feeling a little bit empty and dry, if you can get out of your environment and get back into mission, 
And so he leaves his country and he goes to t- the region of Tyre and Sidon, we say, or Sidon. And he enters a house and he's trying to hide. He's, he's not there to try to minister the same way he ministers in his homeland. But he's famous. And verse 24 says he could not be hidden. Uh, he's outside of Jewish territory completely, but even there, he can't be hidden. Uh, he is the light of the world. And, you know, that's uh, just maybe that's a little side note. There's times that you will, you will if you're in ministry as, a, as your main vocation in life and you're just pouring yourself into others, there's a, there's a way that God builds you and um, you are able to minister to people and they pick it up. It's like a homing beacon. And so you'll find yourself all over, the, you know, wherever God takes you. In my case, it's, it really is all over the world. But um, you'll find yourself in places and you really didn't go there to pray for anybody today. And yet there's someone there who needs to be prayed for and they come to you. And he just draws. Ministry is just attracted to you. And that's what's happened to Jesus. He is a minister. He cares about people. He, he, can, he can take care of people. He's a shepherd. And the sheep somehow pick that up. Now, this lady, uh, verse 25, a woman whose young daughter had an unclean spirit. Can children be demon-possessed? Yes. The Bible has numerous accounts of children into whose bodies demons have entered. Uh, and it, that's a sad reality about spiritual oppression. Children can become depressed. Children can become uh, oppressed. And so uh, our kids and children in the world, they don't have an, an immunity system and a period of time where demon spirits can't attack them. Of course, they do their work as early as possible. Satan does his work in the life of a child as as young as he can do it. He wants to cripple all of us. He wants to sow the seeds that keep us insecure for the rest of our life. And so here's a little girl and she has come under the assault of demon spirits. And this woman has heard about Jesus. She is, verse 26, a Greek. She has nothing to do with Judaism. And she finds him. And she is shamelessly persistent. The Greek says um, she just kept asking him. She wouldn't quit saying it. In Matthew's gospel, the same story is there, Matthew 15, 23. And the disciples tell Jesus, you know, she's driving us crazy. Send her away. She won't stop crying out. But you know what? If you've got a teenager or you've got a child that is obviously in trouble, uh, they're in trouble with an eating disorder, they're in trouble maybe just with a an angry spirit. They just hate authority. They just, you know, hatred just simmers inside of them. This is demonic work. You know, this is the dark side attacking your child. And you need to be as shamelessly persistent as this lady was. It doesn't say she casually said, oh, Lord, my daughter has this problem with an unclean spirit. Can you help her? And Jesus says, you know, sure. She just kept asking and he didn't do anything. And she asked again. He didn't do anything and she wouldn't quit. She just never stopped. And this is uh, mentioned by the Lord more than once as a prayer secret. If you want to make sure you get what you need, you know, because some things we ask God for, and it really, honestly, it doesn't matter. Even if he asks us at the end of our prayer 
give me everything you just prayed for. Sometimes maybe we couldn't even think of them all. Uh, those things don't matter. But every now and then you get something in your life and you need to deal with it. This one is a big one. And the way you deal with these is you get shamelessly persistent. You don't stop praying about it. You don't pray once and say, now, Lord, I'm going to trust you. You just keep hammering this thing. You've got to fight your way spiritually. And, and I can tell you, when your kids start to go astray, you had better fight for your children. Don't let that just keep going on. Get on your knees and pray for that child. Get in their bed and pray for them in their bed. While they sleep, go lay hands on them. When they're gone, go into their area. Uh, pray for them. Prayer is powerful. And this woman is praying. She's praying to the living God who's right in front of her. And she just won't stop. And Jesus, uh, now both of the stories today are, are, they're strange stories. They don't come at you the way you would expect. They both seem a little bit uh, disrespectful or abrupt. Uh, and Jesus says to her, let the children, that's the Jews, let the children be filled first. It's not good to take children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. Now, this is a, he's mouthing a typical Jewish prejudice, but he has changed one word in this sentence. Uh, she would expect a sentence like this from a Jew. He's clearly a Jew by the way he dresses versus the way she dresses. They, they have cultural clothing. Um, there's a word for dog that means a street scavenger, mongrel, mangy dog. And that's what a Jew in Christ's day would have called a Gentile and wouldn't have held it back, would have mouthed it and said it to her, uh, maybe exactly in that spirit. Now, when Jesus says the thing she would expect to hear from a Jew, because the disciples kind of have this you know, thought inside of them, she's bothering them. He changes the word, you know, scavenger, mutt, dog to basically puppy. Um, and that's a hint all by itself to her, that he does not feel the way that others feel. And I don't know why he said that to her, uh, but he did say it. And uh, but she picks it up almost like there's a twinkle in his eye. And so she responds. And this woman, uh, she has humor. She has humility. She has a quick wit. But most of all, she's got a massive faith. And so Jesus says, hey, you know, the bread belongs to the children, not to their puppies. And the children ought to have the bread first. You know, I'm here to serve the Jew. And she says, yes, Lord. But even the little dogs under the table eat from the children's crumbs. In other words, I'm only asking for what they don't want. There's plenty. There's more than enough to go around. You've done things for them. You've got leftovers. Just give me leftovers. And that touches Christ. He, he admires this woman. Uh, and it says in verse 29, he said to her, for this saying, go your way. The demon has gone out of your daughter. And when she had come to her house, she found that the demon had gone out and her daughter was lying on the bed. Um, Matthew's version of this story, Jesus says to her, oh, woman, your faith is great. Now, what Christ was finding even in his day in his few interactions was that Gentiles as a people group were ripe for harvest. They were ready to be harvest. And these repeat encounters with Gentiles of great faith, they foreshadow the uh, super harvest that's going to happen for the next 30 years among Gentile people. In the days when Jesus ministered, the Jewish harvest came in 
And on the day of Pentecost, right after his ascension, when the Holy Spirit was poured out, there was another gen, uh, Jewish harvest. It, it lasted, I don't know, 10 or 20 years. But after that, and kind of about 10 years into that, uh, a profound change in Christianity started to happen. And Gentile people who were who had never been exposed to these truths and these teachings and even the idea that there's one God, uh, Gentile people started to stream into the kingdom. And it, that has never stopped. And we've watched these um, migrations of people into God's kingdom and the shift from the old group who has it all to the new group. And even now the shift is toward Asia and Africa and Latin America uh, as the body of Christ begins to spread into those regions powerfully. So there's the first of our stories. Now let's kick to the second story. He comes back from that region, and now instead of going back to his typical uh, Jewish homeland area, going back to Capernaum and Galilee, he goes across the river again into a sort of semi-Jewish, semi-Gentile area called the Decapolis, and Decapolis means ten cities. And so he is uh, going into this area. Now, he just keeps coming back to this area. This is the third time that Jesus has visited Decapolis, and it's because it's a fruitful area. Now, he's not always been allowed to minister very much here. You know, the on one of his, well, his first trip to Decapolis, as he came over here, he was asked to leave uh, because of the uh, the demons that he cast out of a man going into a bunch of pigs. And the pigs ran down the hill and drowned themselves, and it scared the people. And so they asked him to leave. Well, he's gone back now to the same area, and he's slowly moving through these cities now. This is another amazingly fertile field. So there's another hint. We should spend our time among the receptive. And when you find people whose hearts are open and people who want to receive, you need to give them your attention. Christ is drawn to this fertile field. It's uh, less conservative religiously, and there's another hint. Uh, the more deeply conservative an area, the harder it's going to be. Um, now, one of the cool things here is that the demoniac that Jesus had uh, exercised as he cast a demon out and the man was in his right mind, wanted to be a disciple of Jesus, and Jesus says, no, you can't be my disciple, don't go with me, but do go to all your friends and family and tell these people what the Lord has done for you. And the man did it. He went all through these ten cities. He went in this whole region, standing up in public places and telling them, you know me, you've heard the story of the demoniac of Gadara. And he told them the story, how Jesus set him free from a legion of demons. Uh, and so he has pre-evangelized this entire area. And it's as though a match hit a pile of dry leaves and this region is is on fire. And um, and that's where the second story comes up. It's a place that has deafness. It's had spiritual deafness. But here's a man that's got a physical uh, form of that deafness. And he needs to be healed. He comes to Jesus in verse 32. He is deaf. And, of course, he can't speak also. And the people beg Jesus to put his hands on this man. And so he removes this man from the crowd and he takes him aside, verse 33. And then he does a very strange uh, healing ritual to him. First, he puts his fingers in the man's ears. 
And again, he's not doing this for show. There's nobody there. He has taken this man away from the people. It's just for the man. It's for the healing of this man. And so he puts his fingers in his ears. And then it says, verse 33, he spat and touched his tongue. Now, you can see this in one of two ways. Either he spit on the ground and then he just touched the man's tongue in sequence. But it's a lot more likely they spit in his palm and then he put the spit on the man's tongue. And you say, why in the world would he do that? Um, well, there's a couple of ex guesses. I, I'm just going to call them guesses. One is that uh, people in that era believe spit curative, the same way I guess that mothers will use a wet finger from their mouth to wipe stuff off your forehead. Or uh, Anyway, uh, so they didn't see spit necessarily as a dirty thing in the same way. But uh, it, in some way, he is building this man's expectation. And it, it's a sign about healing, you know. Our healing flows from Christ. You cannot disconnect the miracles from the man. We are healed because of who Jesus is. We are saved because of who Jesus is. It's the life that's in Christ that comes out through Christ and into us. And so anything that comes from him has life in it. And so he touches this man. You know, my dad has a sermon uh, called When God Spits on You. And uh, the point is, there are times that you come to God expecting to be treated in a certain way, like maybe that woman did and like this man did, but you don't get treated the way you thought you should. Maybe God seems to be distant or he seems to not be paying attention to you. He seems to be ignoring you or he seems to be roughly treating you or unfairly treating you or even humiliating you. Take it. Take anything that comes from God. Take it with faith. Take it, just be thrilled that God is interacting with you in any way possible because anything God does in the end turns around to be a good thing and it will bring you healing, it will bring you blessing, it will fix something that's wrong with you if you will submit yourself to the Lord. Let him deal with you any way he wants. So, you know, don't curse circumstances. They are God's molding tool for changing us. No matter what he does, as Job said to his wife, you know, his wife is very happy to receive huge sums of money from God. She's very happy to receive lots of children, healthy children from the Lord. And then when her children are taken, she wants to curse God immediately. And Job says, how is that? God gave us all these things. We wouldn't have even had them to lose, except he gave them to us. And now he's taken them back. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Job has it. You know, he understands any way that God wants to interact with me. It's a good thing. Give it time. It'll work itself out. And that's what happens in this guy's life. Uh, although he, he came for a miracle and he just got spat on. Then Jesus looks up to heaven, verse 34 and he's under a heavy burden. And I don't know if it's a burden about this man or if it's about all the pain that's in this world or it's about how hard this thing is to fix because you got all these, you know, you got the religion all messed up and you got, you know, it's just a lot of work. But whatever it is, it, it's heavy on Christ. He feels this and he feels for this man. In verse 34, it says he looked up to heaven 
He sighed and he said to the man, and again, this is how you pray for miracles. You don't just pray, pray, pray to God. You speak to the man, you speak to the problem. And he said in, uh, in his own mother tongue, which is Aramaic as a man, he said, Ephatha, and that is translated, be opened. He's commanding it to be the way he wants it to be. Verse 35, immediately his ears were opened and the impediment of his tongue was loosed and he spoke plainly. And he commanded them they should tell no one. But the more he commanded it, the more widely they proclaimed it. They were astonished beyond measure and they said, he has done all things well. Let the Lord deal with you as he will, but have persistent faith. Be strong, my brothers and my sisters, in clinging to the Lord and in believing God to intervene in your life's emergencies and your life's uh, crushing conditions. Fight for it. Be persistent for it. And then whenever the Lord does respond, however he responds, receive it with joy. Well, that's all for today. If you'd like to contact me personally, my email is chuck at quinley.com, Q-U-I-N-L-E-Y.com. You can also check us out on the emergenetwork.org website or my personal blog, quinley.com. Thread. thought expanded upon. Thread is the podcast of the Emerge Network. For more information, log on to emergenetwork.org.